What is up, guys? Welcome back to Fit Body Secrets, where my mission is to bring you guys inspiration, motivation, and a ton of tips to help you guys on your fitness journey. And I just finished up a five-part series on CrossFit, and we are getting back into some nutrition stuff. And today, I was actually inspired for today's episode um, as I made a post in my Facebook group that was talking about this topic and thought that it would be really good to take some time elaborating on my thoughts on the whole good versus bad food situation that I think we all find ourselves falling victim to myself included over the past few years. And well, that past few years, I guess from the entirety of my adulthood. Um, and wanted to just kind of talk a little bit about the terminology, why I don't like using those terminologies as much as I understand as much as I don't like use. Is that even, that was horrible English. Uh, but you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't love using the good versus bad foods, but I think that it's also important to recognize where that terminology came from and where it does have an application in your fitness journey, nutrition journey. And so if you get any value out of today's episode, if you want more information on, you know, obviously dialing in your own nutrition, maybe you're, you're talking to yourself when you're hearing these things and you're like, man, I really got to get some things figured out. I want to be able to help you guys out. Um, so let's roll right into it. And I wanted to kind of go ahead and pull up the post that I made in, uh, my Facebook group today, by the way, if you're not in my Facebook group, please add yourself in, would love to be able to offer you guys any help. I wish I had more people that actually asked me questions in there. Cause that's why I created that group. I want people to be able to ask me things. You're never bothering me. I want to be able to help people out. And that's why I posted this today because I get a lot of people that, are like, oh, like I was so bad because I ate X, Y, Z. And that's what we're really going to dive into today. So first and foremost, I think it's really important to start by there being like multiple schools of thought. You've got some purists that are like, oh my God, that's like all processed. Like you should not be eating anything but clean foods. And then you've got like the other demographic of people that's like, if it fits your macros, it's okay. And then you've got people that are like somewhere right in the middle that don't really know. Uh, a lot of people in the middle also tend to find themselves gravitating towards dietary strategies that maybe eliminate food groups. And um, maybe they don't label them bad, but they don't think that they can actually fit into a well-balanced nutrition plan that's actually going to get them results. So that's why I don't really think that we should be labeling things good versus bad and more so understanding where all foods fit in. So first and foremost, it is very true that all foods can be part of a well-built nutrition plans and should be. It's just understanding the frequency of specific foods being consumed and which ones we want to be consuming more often than less often. And also understand the importance of the quantities of them. You know, so I think that a lot of people often hear me, if you're in my Facebook group, you've been on some of my live trainings, I talk a lot about hyper palatable foods. And what I mean by hyper palatable foods, these are typically going to be a mixture of textures, a mixture of flavors. They're often a lot higher in calories because they can, can usually combine a combination of carbohydrates and fats with sugar and salt. So uh, like tortilla chips are not just carbs. There's actually oil that are they're deep fried in, right? Um, cakes and cookies is not just carbs. It's actually butter and sugar and flour. So it's a combination of things, you know, so it's really important to understand that when you're looking at these foods, these hyper palatable foods, they are combinations of macros along with a lot of other ingredients and flavors to make them hyper palatable. You want to eat more of them. They become more caloric because the combination of all of those things, like you're putting, you know, rather than having a separate piece of chicken and, and broccoli and rice and avocado, 
you're taking all of those things, densely putting it together into one little one, one little packet. And that's really what you have to understand that they're these hyper palatable foods tends to be really, really, really easy for people to overconsume. And they often lack a lot of nutrient density. So they don't have a lot of vitamins and minerals. They might have a lot of macronutrients, carbs and fats, but not usually a lot of protein, a lot of fiber, or a lot of those micronutrients. But here's where the problem comes in. There's a, a couple of these things that there's a couple of problems. But the main problem is that most people, you know, start labeling foods, right? Bad versus good, because they've been chasing ways to achieve better body composition, maybe improve their own health. And they've just been conditioned to associate like those foods are bad, those foods are good. But this also drives them to now associate them their self-worth with bad versus good. And this is where a lot of the problem comes into play. So take it, for instance, you're on a diet, you're eating super clean and all of these things are going well. And you know, you, you're talking to a friend and you're like, oh my God, I was so bad this weekend. I need to start the diet on Monday. Okay. So now you're and rather than talking about like the food you were eating, being a little bit more overindulgent. Now you're associating your behavior as like, I was bad because I overindulged. And this is where we run into a problem. And, and on the vice, the other problem is like people will justify their splurges because they're like, I've been so good all week. So I deserve to splurge. And they don't even usually do this intentionally. It's almost subconsciously like in the back of their head. They don't even say it out loud. It's like, oh, I've been good. I can afford to have this little bit of a treat. So while people are labeling the foods they're actually creating behaviors around the way that they're labeling the foods and continuing to just like create these beliefs in their head that they shouldn't be eating these things or that they have to earn those things. And neither of those things are the case. So the reality and the truth really is, is that, you know, it's really important to understand that we should be building our diet around a lot of high quality nutrient dense foods balancing out our macronutrients, even if you aren't counting macros, you should know what it looks like to have a balanced macro, a macronutrient balanced meal without knowing the exact amounts of that. You should still be able to say, Hey, I've got a good amount of protein, a moderate amount of fat, a moderate amount of carbs. You shouldn't need to macro in the beginning. In fact, you should be able to just build that because at the end of the day, when you start macro tracking, you're getting into the hang of things. And then when you graduate from macro tracking, you should be able to maintain that same meal structure without actually looking at numbers. So the truth is we should be eating more of those nutrient dense, higher quality foods. Okay. So it's also true that those foods that are hyper palatable also need to be eaten in less frequency. They should be making up less of a percentage of our overall diet. And I'm going to start by, I guess, talking about the fact that when it comes to good versus bad foods, I don't like labeling them good versus bad, but I'm going to be honest, there's junk food that just tastes really good. And then there's good food, right? And I want people to realize that that's okay. Like I have no problem with like, Hey, you're never going to catch me eating like hostess cupcakes. Like that to me is junk food. It's, it's going to taste okay, but I don't really need it. Like, I don't need that. Whereas like, I might want to go out and, and have a slice of pizza, still junk food, but that's going to do it for me. I think it's really important to understand that even though we might not label food, good versus bad, there is still foods that are like, hey, I should probably not be consuming a whole bunch of that because if I was eating pizza every single day, I'm likely not going to be as healthy as I could be. I'm not going to see the body composition changes that I want to see. Okay. So 
couple of things I want you guys to understand. Okay. The unpopular truth that many of these foods that we should be avoiding everybody base are, there's a, ugh, let me take it. I was reading off of my thing. I want to make sure I say this correctly. Okay. There are a number of foods that we should be looking to avoid on a regular basis for a few reasons. Okay. Number one is if you are trying to lose body fat, you are trying to dial in your health, you are trying to fix things out. There are a lot of foods that are super high in calories and easy to overconsume. One serving of tortilla chips is likely not going to do it with me, do do it for me. And I'm probably going to want some nice dip to go with it, right? Some queso. Okay. So it's going to end up putting in a lot of calories. If you're trying to lose weight and you're, and you're, or you're putting on weight, it's really looking at where a lot of these foods are coming into play. Okay. Number two is that a lot of these hyper palatable foods, quote unquote, junk foods, bad foods, they tend to be like the more we eat them, the more we crave them. So, you know, when we remove things from our diet over time, we will start to lose the taste for those things. So I'm a perfect example of that. I grew up eating the standard American diet. I talk about that all the time. Macaroni and cheese, French fries, fried chicken fingers, all of those things. I don't ever crave those things. Whereas somebody else, man, I am craving a juicy burger. I don't get that because I don't eat it. And it took me a long time, but that's just how I am. I don't, I don't get those cravings. So it doesn't do it for me to have that. And so I think for some people, if they recognize that the more they're like allowing themselves those foods, the more likely they are to keep addictive feelings for those. Because at the end of the day, there's no truth to food addiction. However, there is truth to a lot of these combination foods sparking a little bit of a dopamine hit because the way they affect your taste buds and the signals that they give to your brain, they do make them easy to overconsume. So also thinking about why we need these foods, right? A lot of people are relying on them for a feeling. They're looking for comfort. They're looking for satisfaction. They're looking for relief from stress. But guess what? All of those things are typically very short-lived and it leaves you with that feeling of, oh, I've been so bad and I've got to start the diet over on Monday. Other thing is that um, these foods tend to make your taste profile so much less sensitive and it makes it really hard for you to find the foods that you should be consuming more of more appealing. And so like for me, I crave a big salad every day. I crave like fresh vegetables and sweet potatoes and, and lean proteins and things like that because I'm conditioning my body to know that I need those things. I don't need a bunch of heavy sauces, but I like my sauces. I like the ones that I use. Your taste preferences get way more sensitive when you stop incorporating so many of these hyperpalatable foods. I should probably talk a little bit more about what exactly these foods are, right? Where they show up in your day-to-day -day life. So, I mean, the real place they're going to show up is a lot of your restaurant fare. So, you know, appetizers, French fries, nachos, egg rolls, Chinese food, um, pizza, mozzarella sticks, all of those things, um, pastas with lots of sauce and cheeses and Alfredos. That's where a lot of these foods tend to show up. And these are the foods you want to kind of like, eh, let's make things not so like a happy dance every single day. Let's make them a little bit simpler. And I know in the beginning that can feel a little bit hard, but chances are, if you're somebody that's constantly labeling yourself bad versus good, you know that this is probably something that you probably should be addressing. Okay. So here's the verdict. All right. While there really aren't any bad foods or good foods, we need to understand that what we feed our body is going to give us either an instant response or it's going to give us a delayed response. That's why I mentioned the whole feeling that people are chasing. So the instant response people are looking for is a lot of times from their foods are like, I'm looking for that dopamine hit. I want to feel that instant satisfaction. 
The delayed response though, is that when you have the food, now you're like, oh shit, I was bad. Gotta start the diet. Whereas if you can learn how to recognize that instant response is only going to be temporary and likely doesn't really do it that much for you. And the delayed response of the satisfaction of, man, I don't need, I don't have to rely on those things. And I actually feel stronger in the, in the long run. And, and I'm actually working towards my goals now by doing this. And I start to see progress. Now you don't have that negativity. You don't have that negative impact. You're having the positive impact. And it's hard because if you've read Atomic Habits, you know, he talks a lot about the difference between instant gratification versus delayed gratification. He makes a, you know, the mention of a smoker, you know, you're not going to feel the effects of a cigarette after one cigarette, you know, the, the negative effects, but over years and years and years of smoking, you are going to develop probably problems from smoking cigarettes. Same thing here. We can have the opposite effect if we just start to change a little bit of things. Okay. So I want to go over a couple of things though, that are going to help you guys understand this as I know I'm, I'm breaking it a lot about the foods, but why is this so hard for people to break up with these types of foods? Why is it so hard to say, you know what, when I go out to eat, I don't have to smash the appetizers. I can order a salad. I can stick to a lean protein. I can, I can find some rice on the menu. Why is it so hard? I think that the real thing is, is people focus so much mentally on what they're restricting themselves from rather than focusing on what they should be adding at adding in and learning how to replace a lot of those things. And understanding where these foods can actually fit into a well-balanced diet. Okay. So number one is I think that the main thing that people need to realize is that by eating enough food in general in the right balance, it will also help remove the cravings for a lot of them. So I think that by nature that people that tend to undereat tend to over tend to crave a lot of these foods. They tend to overconsume a lot of them, especially after a period of under eating. So whether it's they spend a week on a diet and then they go off on the weekends or they do a diet for a month or so, and then they're taking weeks off and they're just crushing it on a vacation. I think that learning how to eat enough in general is a hard thing for people to get the grasp of, but it definitely helps. And in fact, people also see fat loss a lot faster this way. I think another thing that people don't think about doing is finding more creative ways to create meals and snacks that are going to a little bit, be a little bit more quote unquote macronutrient balance, not macro friendly, but just having a little bit more balance and maybe with similar taste and structures and textures that are going to help you to be able to incorporate those things on a regular basis. Like, can we find a lower calorie Alfredo sauce and a whole grain pasta? Can we bump that up with some extra grilled chicken? Can we find ways to make those hyper palatable foods more, um, more, uh, you know, able to be able to incorporate them on a regular basis? Um, that's really the main thing is how can we make ways to allow ourselves to get those taste preferences and profiles without actually smashing too many calories, which is part three is looking for lower calorie or healthier alternatives to a lot of things or replacements for things, learning how to know if I'm craving something sweet and my normal habit is to go for chocolate, how can I find something that's maybe a little bit higher protein with chocolate in it? Or how can I find that? And this is where I love you know, creating a lot of different recipes. I think people are like, oh, I don't like using protein powder. Why not? Whey protein is one of the best absorbable bioavailable sources of protein for you. If you're getting a high quality protein powder, you're actually getting a really good source of protein. So there's nothing wrong with supplementing your diet with that. In fact, you're getting a better source of protein. Okay. So now obviously we don't want to think we can never have these foods, right? There are a lot of occasions where you have to make a decision. And I think that it's important to realize that it's okay sometimes 
to be able to do that. So for instance, yesterday was Mother's Day. Maybe your kids made you breakfast in bed and, and a hyper palatable breakfast might've been pancakes with sausage and, and real maple syrup. And yeah, it was probably a lot higher in calories and carbohydrates and fat, but if that's a special day and that's the one day this whole week you had one meal, that's probably less than 10 to 15% of your whole diet. Okay. It could also look like maybe just in fitting in like one or two pieces of dark chocolate on a daily basis, you know, or maybe it's, it's one or two meals every week where you have a little bit of something different. You know, the main thing is if you're eating enough throughout the week, it shouldn't be this, you know, free for all those days. So a couple of ways you can consume them is sprinkling them in here and there. If you are really struggling with like the cravings for them though, I do actually recommend a period of time where maybe you work on removing them and replacing them because it can help with um, obviously offsetting some of the cravings for them. Um, I already mentioned kind of like a lot of the foods, but I, I really want you guys to really focus on, you know, just looking at what you're adding in versus what you're taking away. So how else can we recreate all of these hyperpalatable foods, fried foods in general, air fryers have become like the best thing, cakes, cookies, pies, donuts, pastries, brownies. There are a ton of healthy, healthy recipes and ways you can kind of look for ways to fill this, you know, chips and crackers as well. I also recommend people looking to um, replace a lot of their white flour products with uh, whole grain products. And if you're gluten-free, obviously having to go gluten-free because a lot of these foods are often higher in fiber, also higher in protein, and you can make um, a little bit more, and they're usually a little bit lower in carbs to make a little bit more balanced in your, um, a little bit more balanced in your meals. A couple of other things you guys want to watch out for are a lot of the boxed uh, meals, like macaroni and cheese, pasta. And like, like I grew up eating like rice aroni and craft macaroni and cheese, or those, um, like those newer sides, they have like Alfredo and stuff, try and eliminate all of that stuff. Cause it just creates cravings for more of it. Replacing a lot of your cereals and bars with lower calorie options, cream-based soups. You want to get rid of all that stuff. Um, and once again, main thing that I want to make sure I'm saying here is I'm not saying that you guys cannot enjoy a slice of pizza here and there, a waffle with brunch, a taco, a taco Tuesday, and none of that stuff. All that stuff is fine. I'm just simply saying that you want to realize that a lot of these foods that you're labeling bad are just really hard for you to control the amount of calories in and easy for you to overconsume. And by removing them uh, or actually replacing them the majority of the time, we can actually get a better handle of our nutrition, of our calorie intake, of our overall goals, which is for a lot of you guys trying to lose fat. So in my opinion, I don't like to label things good versus bad, but I do want you guys to understand that there are foods that are going to fit into a diet that's going to be more pro-health and more pro-good body composition and foods are going to just obviously trigger more cravings, more hunger, and more frustration with yourself. So I'm going to hop on over to my comments. Jeez. Oh man, Bruce Wayne, Damien, let's go indeed. Kenneth, how are you guys? Happy Monday. Bruce, I'll add you to my group. Um, I'll send you the link today. I'm a pro-metabolic fan myself. Um, Y'all are awesome. Are you guys, um, am I going to see you guys uh, this week at semifinals? I'm super stoked. I'm just looking to see if there's any questions. Hey, Jody. Uh, looking to see how did poke bowl. Poke bowls are awesome. Have you made your own poke bowls? Those are easy to make at home too. So you guys are awesome. I'm looking over some of the show, some of the, the goals, some of the uh, comments here. A pound of ground beef and blueberries. That sounds interesting. You know, Bruce Wayne, I'm not going to lie. I would almost wonder 
what it would be like to put blueberries in your ground beef. Like that sounds weird, but I'm just interested. Um, what about a slice of pizza or two a day? So Bruce, I actually have a friend I know that actually, um, did that for a while. Well, he tried to do it for a whole month and he realized about halfway through that his gut cannot handle the cheese and had to stop. So we switched to a donut, <laughs> but I've never tried that. And maybe I will, that might be a good experiment for me. I have a confession. I have mac and cheese every now and then 50 cents a box. Can't beat that price for sure. I have a confession. I also love top ramen, Kenneth. So that's one of my things here and there as well. Um, who is trying raw beef? You will definitely not see me trying raw beef. Although I will tell you this, I am the type of girl that likes her steak pretty rare. So that's probably the closest you're going to get to me eating raw beef for sure. Um, a slice of pizza a day keeps the blues away. Guys, y'all are awesome. Well, I hope to be able to see some of you guys at semifinals this week. I will be there Wednesday, well, Thursday through Sunday. So if you're going to be at semifinals in Orlando this weekend, please hit me up. If you guys got any value out of my episode today, talking about good versus bad foods, if you struggle with this mindset and you're trying to be a little bit more flexible, but you don't know where to start, shoot me a message. Let's talk. And I'll talk to y'all soon.